Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 207 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Well, we're hitting the end of January and it's flying by. Well, in the past couple of weeks, we've had a few more Patreon supporters, and thank you very much for that support, because without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. And if you like what you hear, then head over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a link tree drop down box. And that will direct you to the Patreon page where you can give a little bit of support for as little as £3 a month. And if not, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. Well, today we've got an absolute belter of a podcast. I'm taking you to meet Opaque. And Opaque started his art life in a graffiti crew. And a little while ago brought him skills off the streets and into the studio. And I do mention it in the podcast, but I was made aware of Opaque's work just a little while before Christmas by a friend of the podcast, Trish Wiley, who featured on episode 193. So Trish happened to be walking down Fashion Street just off Brick Lane, and she went in the very recently opened Qantas Gallery, where Opaque happened to be having quite a large solo exhibition. Now his work is stunning, it's bold, it's striking, it's, it's almost magnetic the way it draws you in. And I don't want to mention too much about his subject matter because he obviously talks about that in his podcast. But how can I say, he, he sort of repurposes childhood icons. Well, after reading his bio in the gallery, Trish phoned me up and said, you've got to do a podcast with this guy. She sent me a link to his bio and said, read this and you'll see why. And yeah, she was 100% correct. So I contacted him and after a, a little chinwag on the socials, he invited me up to his studio. And I've got to say... What a bloody journey the man's been on. 
Now, during his school days, Opaque was, how can I say it without giving too much away, he was a cultural misfit, which is something I'm sure that many of us can uh, associate with to a certain degree. And at such an early age, you ain't really got the tools in the toolbox to, to deal with those situations, you know. During this conversation, Opaque and I realised that although our lives were very much on different paths, they was pretty much bloody parallel. His path took him via a route of addiction and dependency, and mine was crime and punishment. And I've got to say, since walking out of his studio that day, we've become pretty good buddies. Now, the gallery I was talking about earlier, Qantas Gallery in Fashion Street, Opaque was telling me about the gallery and its ethos. After taking on board what Opaque said and doing a little bit of research, I contacted the gallery and asked them if they'd be willing to come on the podcast. So I and use could find out a little bit more about them and that did happen and that will be coming out as a bonus episode next week just before i take you to meet opaque i should mention that there is a lot of conversation about drug and drink addiction and dependency so if that's something that's a part of your life in either a past or present context i feel it's only responsible for me to let you know before we start and if this podcast has affected you in any way don't turn off, there'll be a little message at the end that might be worth a listen. That aside, I must say it is a beautifully open, frank and honest conversation. So please, come and join me in the studio of Opaque. Robbing fucking caramel bars from Tesco's to eat, smoking crack every That's what day. I've done on the way here. <laughs> <laughs> but what was... Uh, I mean, if someone was to ask you what you do, some, if someone didn't know your work, how would you explain what you do? I, I paint what makes me happy, but everything in my, all of my work, especially what I do now, is all based on repeat image. Because it's all based around my mental health. Um, so it's, it's repeating the same image over and over and over again. On the same canvas? Yeah, because that is how... That's how I lived with drug addiction. It's exactly the ah, same process. Nice. So Einstein's definition of insanity is repeating the same action over and over again, but expecting a different outcome. Yeah. I repeat the same action over and over again, and I get a different outcome. Yeah. So it breaks like that. that. Yes. Breaks that cycle. It's all based around my mental health, and even even down to the fucking process of it, because by doing that all by hand, and having to hyper-focus. Addiction is all about hyper-focus. Hyper-focus on a task, mm. living a task-led life. Your task is to go and get crack, obtain that, obtain alcohol, do that daily. How are you going to do it? And then it's fucking complicated around how that works, yeah. obviously, and all the bullshit that comes with it. But with what I do with this, is I hyper-focus. I basically fix on painting instead of fixing on crack and alcohol. So I fix on being creative. I, I tricked my mind over years of muscle memory that that is this giving me the same buzz as smoking pipe does. Yeah. And the process of doing it makes me hyper-focus in on it, which makes me meditate, which means I live in the moment. And then I can function as a normal person. Is this reflecting on them? Are you clean now? Yeah, I've been clean for years. Okay, so it's re that's what I was asking. Maybe this is reflecting on them. Some do, yeah. Diet, it's all about, a lot of it is about trying to be, is 
with my psychosis, it's all about being found out. A lot of my life has always been about being found out, fear of being found out, fear of being caught, yeah. and running away and chasing. Yeah. I, those things, like that Pink Panther especially, um, obviously is about being found. That's good. I didn't see that when I walked in. And is the psychosis from the drug abuse, or is it part of your makeup? Do you think? So I think, I mean, I self harmed since I was a kid. Oh, feel free to tell me. Uh, like, feel free if you don't want to answer something. Just, just oh, no, say no, 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 no. My, the, the, my main thing in my life, mate, is, and I, with a lot of, you know, I had the article in the Guardian, it was yeah. the BBC, and everything, and I think. As a drug addict, and I think you'll probably understand this from your past as well, is when you're involved in criminal activity, everything is a fucking lie. Yeah. It's yeah. all a lie. You live a lie constantly. You lie about what you're doing. You lie about where you are. Because you, in your head, you're justifying it because you're saying you're doing it to protect people. But yeah. it's bollocks. It's just yeah. you live a devious life. So everything I lived was a lie. And now I try to be brutally honest about everything. Oh, exactly the same yeah. as that. Exactly the same. And it, it, that can be just as fucking hard to do. Totally. But And that's what I did with journalists. You know, the first time up from the exhibition in London, and it, it fucking blew up, mate. I didn't, you know what I mean? I'm, you're sitting here now. This is my world, this room. When did it blow up? How long ago? Uh, so we had the exhibition. It finished on the 19th, started on the 5th. Um, and the... F just the build up to it, the kind what, of this recent one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. With, and who are you showing with? Qantas. And Qantas. what's the name of the show? Uh, Sanity through repetition. And sorry, where is Qantas Gallery? Fashion Street, just off Commercial Road. Got you. Yeah, beautiful gallery. Again, like it's addiction. It's all everything. I kind of in my mental space is all based around addiction. Like, there's lots of reasons why I'm where I am now. My therapist. My partner room my kids with with the brutal honesty thing so that yeah yeah nice. so and then and um and it with pr and then journalists coming to you know hear about the story and stuff they ask me questions and where i've done therapy for years and i've got an amazing therapist guys named rob, rob acott lives in dagnum just amazing human being you know like me and you a normal bloke and he wants to help people is that where you go to see him yeah, yeah drive to Dagenham from here and uh, so when they'd ask questions like I'm very comfortable with my past now whereas before there was so much shame around it so yeah. I just answered I answered honestly yeah. what was your worst what was your lowest moment I don't care I'll tell you Yeah. if I've got to and then people resonate with it family took it bad because I think there were lots of parts of it that I was like saying on the radio and my dad's listening, bless him, and he was just like gobsmacked. They didn't know where I was. Now the family tend to know just the remnants that's boiling over, don't yeah. they? They don't Tip. know what's made you get to that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, sleeping rough, sleeping where, on the If, if I can backtrack, where was home? Uh, in Essex, just just outside of Harlow. Um, Mum and Dad, families all Cockneys, all come from the East End. My old man works fucking hard with my mum. Ran an art, owns an art gallery. Yeah, yeah. They sent me to a great school. I had a great education, but I didn't fit in at school. I wasn't from money. Yeah, a lot of the kids are from money, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I don't have any issue with that. But I just my nickname for a long time was Chav, and I come home and I'd be 
tr mixing with the people at home and I felt more included there but they're taking drugs when they're at the park and we're all getting drunk yeah, and yeah. I felt and it wasn't that even that I fit in there but what I fitted in with was the drink and the drugs because that was the escape yeah and that was uh, from a young age and then it yeah slippery slope that yeah and then I found graph letter based New York graffiti yeah. and that was it and with and got involved in that scene and what that's about and not street art very the opposite pure vandalism yeah painting trains and what was it was it what was it you liked was it the the danger of it as well the thrill of the chase that you're doing something wrong um with a graffiti rather than the, the street art just loved <clears throat> with the graph i become obsessed with things it's just my makeup it's how my yeah, brain works yeah. and I just became obsessed with letter-based graffiti, mate. Just it, it, something about it. It was just like it was there. It was against the authority, anti-establishment. I was so drawn to that. Yeah. And I just had to learn about it. I drew. The thing I've always done, which I love more than going out and painting, is drawing. And what age is this? Or what year is this, rather? So I found out about graph at my prep school when the, my, my best friend at prep school's brother was like, he had a tag... And his, he was writing it in his book, and it was some shit tag. But yeah. I was just like, that's the best thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, what is it? And I think I was about nine at that point. Nine, and then it just, that was it. My mum and dad, my mum would buy me Graffitism magazine when it was going, yeah. and I'd get that for like Christmas. She'd order it, and I'd get it, and it was just like, that was like the Bible. Yeah, yeah. And then spray can art, and I can't remember what the other one's called. Fuck, they're like, again, like the Bible, and... I just I studied these things and I drew them and then I tried to do my first tag was like Easy E, yeah, fuck it, <laughs> whatever, yeah, NWA. But I was just like, this is original, and I just and I got into it and then I go and nick paint, and with graph comes criminality. And as you get, I got older into my teenage years and I learned, and I met people that did it properly, and then you realise what that's what that subculture's about. Yeah. There's a lot of violence. Not so much at the beginning, but there's like a lot more drug taking. You're, it's robbery, a lot of robbery, because you nick your paint to go and paint. And I wasn't, I don't know, I just, first time I got drunk, I was very young, and I nicked the alcohol from my mum and dad. So it was, the theft was already, you know. Impeding, yeah, yeah, into where it shouldn't. Yeah. I knew it was wrong, but I didn't care, or I justified it. It was my addiction was all about justification. Yeah. I'd do something fucking out of order, but in my head it was justified, so it was fine. And I think a lot of addicts live like that. Well, a lot of people live like that, yeah. don't they? Not not just addicts. It's any, anyone at all. If you can justify the bad things you do, you're that's fine. What keeps that cycle going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it just it perpetuated and it got worse. I went to university. I went to Leeds, and Leeds is just fucking. <laughs> yeah, is it? yeah, so it didn't help. Well, I went to study <clears throat> cinematography. I didn't study. I met a group of people. The underground rave culture in Leeds is amazing. Music scene's incredible, yeah. especially when I was there. It was just brilliant. Hyde Park house party social life is incredible, and drugs are fucking readily available. So yeah. we just we'd go on five day benders, six day benders, and it, but you're in this student bubble. And no one can touch you because you're a student and we're just yeah. having here to have fun and, and I lived that to the full and then left uni 
and it just carried on. Whereas everyone else was getting good jobs and they were calming down. As I was getting worse. Yeah, that shows the immaturity, doesn't it? If, mm. if you don't mind me saying so, that. Yeah. So I just wrote graph, took drugs and drank. That was it. It was three years of that, and then carried on writing graph when I came when I came back down to, down south. And um, like crap jobs, you know, shit money, but a job, painting, living for the weekend. But then I would start taking gear to school. I dropped out all the party drugs, and it was focused on cocaine. And cocaine was my thing. And then it, I'd be taking that to work. I'd be doing it in the toilet. Yeah. And crossing those lines, those moral boundaries, are just getting pushed further and further back. And then I saw my missus, my girlfriend, I'm at mum and dad's house and girlfriend's going to bed and I'm downstairs and I'm doing loads of gear and I'm drinking and then the psychosis starts. And, I, and it starts with a whisper. I've been there, yeah, I've been yeah. there. And then the, and the, and like slight shadows moving. Yeah, and you're like, and I'm thinking it's real. You know, I don't know what psychosis is. And I'm hearing whispering coming from upstairs. So I'm running in the bedroom, who's in here? Windows open. I'm like running outside, grabbing kitchen that's knives. That gear's a devil, isn't it? Yeah, it's the worst. Unless you you take drugs a lot and you start to have those issues. Some people take drugs all the time, but they don't ever get psychosis. Some mm. people do. I was never built to take drugs, but I'm an addict. Yeah. I ignored the psychosis. And and we're talking, this is like years. This went on for years. And I'm doing gear every day, waking up and doing it. I've got people to live like on their way to work putting it through the letterbox and then you know like fam then all the fucking robbery and everything starts and all the criminal activities now your family were I don't know wealthy but they, they, they had a few quid did you start taking off of them or did you yeah ah sorry yeah took everything yeah took all my pawned all my own stuff took everything yeah I was so ill mate you know just it, it it got to the stage where it just took over everything and with my psychosis like I know what you're talking about sitting on the stairs I'd <clears throat> I'd sit in my room I was like a wild animal I was uh, it's it stripped me bit by bit over years of and this like I'm sure you were aware like there's so many war stories you know mm, but mm. it stripped me bit by bit of my dignity and my self-respect and uh, you, you tend not to care about those, no, do you? because you care about that powder yeah and i'd be in my room with like an eight for gear in one hand a kitchen knife in the other and a pair of boxes like snarling like an animal hearing lines of riot police outside the bedroom door and i'm like and then i'd get to the stage where i'd be so panicked that i'd just eat the whole eighth in one and then I'd be in the corner of the room between the Straight sofa. Yeah, 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 just sitting there. What was that at the time? Was that Coke? Yeah, it's always, yeah. I've dropped everything out, Coke. And then I've got to the stage where I've just pushed it. Mum and Dad, it's got to be said, Mum and Dad, just they tried. They fucking tried, and I just didn't want to know. You know me and my old man are having big rows all the time, and I'm stealing, and I'm out stealing. Because they, they obviously saw it as their fault, didn't they? What have we done to... Yeah. What have we created yeah. here, you yeah. know? It's our fault. Yeah. It took me a long time to get out of it. Fuck. And it took a lot of rock bottoms. It didn't... I think the, the, the common misconception is that you go to one... You get this, like... this. It all culminates in this terrible thing. Yeah, sometimes and then, you rock oh. bottom and you go, rock bottom ain't so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just fall through that one. <laughs> oh, smash into oh, the next one. Rock bottom's one. got a cellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> and, um, yeah, and then it was on the street. You know, into London, 
I was staying at my missus's house. I was it's a nightmare there. Still doing gear every day, and then that finished, and I'm on the street in London, and I'm sleeping at. I'm meeting up with mates who are involved in all sorts, and we're doing all sorts to get by. But then it ups the game, then doesn't it? Once you're on the street, it doesn't matter. Worst ways, you're going to get nicked and have a fucking warm night's kip. Yeah, exactly. That's, so it doesn't matter what you do throughout the day. No. I mean, I try and look at all of that past as po- with positive notes and positive thought. I'd like try and take the positives from it, mm. and it went on for a fucking long time. But you become incredibly resourceful. <laughs> You're very opportunistic, and you just learn to survive in hard environments. I'm sure you had the same when you were in bin. Do you know what I mean? It just you learn, you adapt. The human animal is an incredibly adaptive thing. Put a human in, t- in a tough environment, they either break or it makes them. Yeah. And it was it was the same thing. I, you know, I had friends that lived in London. I'd pretend I'm all right. I'd go and stay with them. And then I'm fucking doing gear and I'm a nightmare. And, and dropping, everyone's like, I can't have him around me. Then on the street again. So it's, it's not like I was on the streets every day, but... I was in people's houses and I was out and was back on the street again and sleeping on the Victoria line, sleeping on the Piccadilly line because it's warm. And just finding ways to navigate life. Yeah. Until the point that it just got like, I, I went I went back home, mum and dad let me back in because I kind of was like, oh, I split up with my missus, but I split up with her fucking long time before I told them. Yeah. And they thought I was staying at hers. But I was in London and then went back home and I'm still relapsing, but met my therapist. Went to, a, I think, a, a real big turning point, which I need to mention. He's a very good friend of mine. He'd just come out of rehab and he said to me, you need to find the rooms of NA. And that was the first time anybody had ever said to me, there's a, like, a kind of way out. And it, who was it you said there? The person that was a drug dealer. And I started to work a 12-step program and... I hated it. I fucking hated it. And my mum would take me. And I was living at home, so she'd take me every night. And she'd sit outside in the car. And I'd go to the fucking meeting. NA is amazing. Fellowships are amazing. I will never shit on them. What they do for people is unreal. But it just wasn't for me. Yeah. It ripped my family apart. My mum was in tatters mentally. But she has a a spiritual healer, a lady named Susie Nathan. She she said, I, I know this man, Rob, and I think he, he might help Ed. And my mum phoned Rob and said, my son needs your help. And he said, why the fuck are you calling me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, as soon as she told me that, I thought, fuck, I need to meet this man. And So he gave me his address, and my mum took me over there. We've got to the address, and it's like a tower block in Dagnum. Oh, it's not a, an office or a... It's a fucking tower nice. block, good, yeah. Good, yeah. I like that. Yeah, and we walk, walked into this little flat, and sat down and he started talking to me and I was just like this man's amazing the opposite of addiction is because that that's all based on isolation that twin in you that wants you to die that's all all about isolation and the opposite of that is is total human connection and trust with someone which all of that had gone and suddenly I have I'm building this 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 connection with this person and it feels amazing and I start going and I'm relapsing and I'm going and I'm relaxing, but I'm getting better. And his, I, I'd go to those sessions and I'd be like, oh yeah, and then we fucking robbed this bloke and we did this and we did that. 
And he turned around to me and he went, oh, like, this is great, but it's fucking boring, mate. Do you know what I mean? And I was, the ego, like, yeah, shattered. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He was like, let's work on, where are you going to go now? He, it was all about how you're going to move forward, one foot in front of the other. What is your calling? And I always thought I'd be a tattoo artist. So he said, okay, draw me a picture and then come next week. So I drew a picture and I came and he was like, fuck, you're not half bad at this. And then we start, he started with his hypnotherapist as well. So he'd be doing a lot of hypnotherapy and he started trying to bring that creativity back out of me. And then moved to New York. A friend of mine lived in New York. He owns an amazing animation company. Job didn't go so well. I'm kind of skimming over a lot. Was you clean by this point? Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, yeah. Drugs had gone. Drink was still. Yeah. yeah. Drink, funnily enough, eventually was what really brought me to my knees. My real bad rock bottom I had job didn't go very well but I spent most of the time sitting in an apartment on my own and I drew every day so and I didn't really have any money so it was like I had, I went and bought a pad of paper and a pencil and a pen and I just started did you have echoes of your therapist's voice in the back of your totally. mind at any point going oh this is boring yeah yeah, yeah. all the time all the time I met Rue and I fell in I'd known Rue for years 15 years but We'd never looked at each other like that. We got together at my sister's wedding. And um, I just fell in love with her. I just, again, that human connection. And and if truth be known, you probably are trying to cling on to 100%. someone anyway. Yeah. Emotionally, yeah. I hadn't had a girlfriend or anybody that I thought possibly might love me. Apart yeah. from my mum and dad who have always, you know, that unconditional love. But... For years, yeah. you know that loneliness—that's the killer. That the the hardest part of being homeless is the isolation and the loneliness, mate. Come back, move in with Rue to her mum's house, and started to do the kind of work that you see me do now. Um, before that, I was doing. How long ago was this? Sorry, fucking hell. Um, four years ago now. Yeah, good four years ago now, and um, I was doing pictures of animals prior and then my old man gave me 10 mdf boards and he said just paint this is this isn't working paint what you want to paint and i started doing graph mixed with cartoon characters and then got picked up by a publishing company and it was like you know before before that i'd stolen all my money and that's how i'd lived and I'm working as an artist now and I'm selling paintings and then I've got a studio just up the road from my mum and dad's house in someone's outbuilding. I've got two bits of wood and fairy lights 
over a desk. There's holes between the scenes, <laughs> and I've got three jumpers on and trying it's to paint pictures. Though, right? Yeah, again, from the homelessness and from the the, you just become so adaptable. It don't matter. Yeah, yeah. and then me and Rue got uh, this house. The day I walked through the door, you know, I haven't had a drink since. You know, we loved each other. She's like, a oh, testament to her to fucking put up with you if you right? know what you're saying. Right, yeah. still here. Yeah. And uh, we had Flip and we, we, me, her. And Although Flint. she's locked you in this studio. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Chains on the doors. <laughs> 13 hours are done. <laughs> and, um, but the thing was, is I, I was still producing. I'd left Buckingham and I'd started to grow my Instagram properly. And I'd started to get, you know, this real solid amounts of like real clean time, no drink. But that's the good gone. thing about being an addict. Oh, no, sorry. That's the positive side of having that addictive nature is when you do something that's positive, you take on them some same fucking traits. You put in Mate. that same energy as what you did on the negative thing. So it's bang, bang, bang. Mate, yeah, yeah. I, I know where you're going. So I started selling art through Instagram, but I'm getting better and I'm still seeing my therapist and, and I'm painting, but I'm not, I have no purpose. And I had purpose before. My purpose book is negative. So I mimicked from the doors downstairs to the to the corner shop is roughly the same kind of distance from my old house where I was living my dad's where I used to pick up from nice so I mimic I dropped out all fizzy drinks and I mimicked that walk and then I'd go to that corner shop around the corner and I'd buy litres of sparkling water and I did that every day for months and months and months and that became my fix yeah so by the end of it I'm drinking like 10 litres of water a day but I'm, I'm realising... to join WA. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Water Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm realising you can trick your brain through muscle memory into what yeah, you want it to yeah. believe. So then I start, okay, cool. Now I'm going to feverishly fucking work. And then that's where it, like... I've just started working like a fucking animal, mate. And so that I just kind of went along selling a lot of work through Instagram and it was it was great you know I'm in here painting every day selling work through Instagram all self-sufficient we did it all from the house then with the economy and everything that's been happening this year that it just got that got harder and harder and harder yeah. I'm very close to a very famous photographer I network really well I, I don't I'm not afraid to reach out to people and, I, yeah. and we, we met he came to a small gallery ex, an exhibition I did and funnily enough um, another very famous artist came and I was telling him about my backstory and he t was the one that said to me you need to fucking tell people anyway I've gone to Qantas Gallery with Steve for Steve to do an, to help Steve put an exhibition on a Qantas Gallery Steve, Steve Shaw oh, okay. you know, Trinks yeah, magazine yeah. yeah do you know the history of Qantas because yeah. it's a fairly new gallery yeah that has just sort of made its mark 100% so I did a big NFT collection with Maxim. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, and okay. Dan Pierce, who again, Dan Pierce, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Beautiful human being, yeah, one of my brilliant. closest friends. When I started out, and I was just doing the like cartoon characters and with the graph and stuff, I go and see Dan. I did my first exhibition with Dan. And he said, "Yeah, I'll do an exhibition with you." That's the kind of to me the levels of the man, you yeah. know. But I'd go down to his studio and I'd work with him and he is 
he does his thing, he does it well, but he's so unafraid of experimenting yeah. with I'm going to try and do this and if it doesn't work and he has no fear of failure because there is no failure yeah. and I at the time everything had to be perfect and I was very afraid of failure but with so we did the NFT collection it went well and then I did another one and the people I was working with all the money got nicked out of their wallet and basically the reason why I'm saying all of this is I was involved within the NFT space and I knew that Qantas was, they were the first gallery in Europe which was just selling NFTs. Okay, I wasn't yeah. aware of that. Yeah, that's what they were doing and then obviously with the crash of that market, they've changed their business model. He's another one, mate, like, he's one of those people that's fucking real. You know, and so when I went there with Steve, Steve then had to go for lunch, and I I was sat down with James and Will, who handles all their PR, and it was like the moment you know I've got the contracts from the publisher, they're at home, you know, and I've got the emails, and I'm going to do it, and I'm there on behalf of Steve about he's going to do an exhibition, and and then I started talking to James. And I've shown them my work, and they're like, it's fucking good, this, you understand that? And I'm like, oh, cheers, mate. And I really started experimenting at that point. I was painting on sheets of acetate and then resining them on mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd just done an exhibition in New York um, with Inked Magazine, biggest tattoo publication in the world. So, and I'm talking to, to, to Will and James, and I'm like, he's a fucking grafter, mate, and I rate that. You know, he's just, he's got this... What he's achieved with that gallery is incredible. You know, I've started to to talk about the issues that I've had uh, with my mental health. So the work, like I said to you off, off camera, it's, it's just, it's all based around repeat cycles, repeat images. Einstein's definition of insanity, repeating the same action over and over again, but expecting a different outcome. So that side of it is I repeat the same image over and over again and I get a different outcome in a more abstract piece of art. And some of them are a lot more abstract than others. Um, the other thing with obviously with using the cartoon characters is the narrative of cartoons is normally a lot of anticipation and then fucking catastrophe, huge explosions, and then the chaos afterwards, and then it ends. Yeah, yeah. And that was my life, mate. That's how I lived daily. So I resonate with it. But more importantly, the reason why, and don't get me wrong, like I'm not. I'm I'm even I'm putting an exhibition together at the moment which moves away from the cartoon characters and more towards the traditional tattoo imagery and other other image. Work Is it evolving that. into it or just changing? It's evolving into it yeah. because I like I love what I do with the work, but I will always try and move forward because that's how you know it's all about yeah, one do you thing after the other. Do you have I to won't leave, leave it, it behind? No, I, I often think of an artist's work as being a reflection of them or their personality. Yeah. And we've all got a dozen, twenty different personalities. This is only reflecting one of them. You know, the, the tattooing may be, yeah. may be another. You're dipping your toes into both yeah. worlds, aren't you? And it's going to come a point when you do sort of leave that one behind and totally. That's possibly. not not to say that I'm I'm not at the at present putting in work to get big walls in London to paint this stuff on massive walls in London. Yeah, I'm doing that. I decided I was going to go with Qantas because, again, it was that human connection. I love the people there. And we put the story, you know, my backstory out there. And years I lived in shame with it, you know, and I didn't want to tell anyone about it. And I I decided I was going to speak about it. And people resonated with it. I had a double-page spread in The Guardian about the exhibition. The exhibition was really, really well received. Did the body of work for it. 
that's what I was going to say to you. The, the most important thing I find with my work, though, which for me is if you're a five-year-old, you can look at that and you take something from it. If you know my backstory and you understand what it's about, you take something different. Yeah, but these characters, we've had them throughout the whole of our life, haven't we? Yeah. Everyone can take something. That's what I love about it. From the exhibition, we just... My relationship with Qantas has grown. I work with them, solely them. Um, it's been really well received. I mean, talks with some fucking serious artists at the moment to do joint exhibitions. One thing that we did from from the exhibition was... I'm now a, a, like a, a, becoming an ambassador for Centrepoint and I work closely with Mind, the charity... And what we did at the, the the opening day on the Thursday is we had a, lo a group of young at-risk people who have been rehomed from Centrepoint come to the come to the gallery for a breakfast, gave them pancakes and all that. Yeah, nice. And I sat down with them and I spoke about my backstory and where I'm at now and what's happening and and how I did it. And at first it was tough because I didn't think they were going to re resonate with it at all. It was predominantly young black females that came and I just, you know, again brutal honesty, I just didn't think they'd be able to take anything from what I was going to mm. say. By the end of it we were just hugging and they loved it and so my plan now is is to take that same group um, and start small and build a business with them. Yeah. Not just, because art therapy is amazing in my opinion but it stops when you walk out the door, you know. Mm. Sadly, we live in society in a society where money fucking talks. So I'm going to take that group, and we're going to build something creatively. And I've got an ama amazing connections outside of Qantas with uh, somebody that's my business partner. It's gonna. I'm going to build a business with them. Got you. Um, all based around certain Japanese principles and we're going to make fine art from it and and also merchandise because I work with somebody that does merchandising in an incredibly big way mm. and then we're going to push it into hopefully certain areas and they take pretty much you know 70-80% of nice. what the profits are and that hopefully will get them out of Good. social housing um, so what's next for you with Qantas looking at doing some hopefully some big collaboration stuff um, I'll do more exhibitions with them I work with them solely now because, A, just the reception to the first exhibition, fucking thing sold out within days. I work so closely with the owner and the team there and the the group of if, people. That... If you trust them, they trust you, there's no reason to go anywhere else. Exactly. My, my thing as well now is big installation sculptures. So I want to go and do more public art for sure. I'm looking at getting a studio in Shoreditch. I love having my studio here, but I want to paint bigger because there's the opportunity to paint bigger. And I, I you know, with the graph background, let I want to see what this stuff looks like, fucking big. Yeah. Because I think it will be powerful, big. So what have you got with Qantas coming up? Um, Switzerland exhibition in Switzerland. And do you know when that is? Uh, I think you're going to try and I'm going to. I think I am. Gonna, I'm going to drive the stuff out there with Will from the gallery because the fucking shipping at the moment is a joke. So I think we're going to try and, we're going to try and get it out there together in a van. But um, that will be next month, start next month. And it's going to run Stoney. Have you ever heard of Stoney? Stoney, 
James has got all of his back catalogue of work um, as, as Stoney. It's very much, it kind of draws on inspiration from Basquiat. And he was a fucking larger than life character, very good. Just came, I never met him, came across an incredible human being. He died in, I think it was in July, a brain tumour, a very rare brain tumour. And his dad died of the same brain tumour. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. So, the reason why I'm saying this is because his work's going to be shown out there as well. Nice. So, it's a fucking honour nice. for me to be alongside yeah. that. I'm lucky enough to be able to sit in here or sit in a space and do what I, I want to do every day. And I'm fucking grateful for that. Yeah, it's just as if at the moment you're walking on thick ice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's the way I see it. There's always a fucking crack over, over there. Right. And just got to try your best to yeah. fucking stay away from it. Yeah, you know I walked that tightrope and and fell off it a few times with sanity and total insanity. And I guess I kind of still walk it now, but at the same time, it gives me, it, it, to me, it gives me an edge. My addiction is one of my strongest assets in life because it makes me fucking driven. Mm. It makes me. I have no off switch, mate. Yeah. None. Yeah. And I've I've been to the nth degree to get what I need to get. I take that same mentality and that same thought process, but I apply it to something positive. Yeah. Fuck, it's a powerful thing, mate. At first, I was like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And what I realised is I now just live a very simple life. You know, I don't overcomplicate it. I wake up, I draw, and then from drawing, I'll then transfer to the iPad, and then I'll do some work on my iPad, and then I'll paint. And I do that sometimes, if necessary, 20 hours in a day. But that, and as I said to you, mate, that enables me to live in the moment. And that is powerful mm. because with my mental health, I can live in the past and I can live in the future and not the, in, within the moment. But it's all a work in progress. I and, mean, you know, I'm, it's still a work in progress with trying to be a dad. Like, yeah. I struggle with that hard. And I'm trying, but I find it hard luckily I'm with someone who's an amazing mother but you're only just learning to have responsibility for yourself 100%. if you don't mind me saying there's a question that I ask each artist yep. if there was you and five other artists past and present what would your ideal group show be fucking hell Hearst would be in there uh, Stick would be in there Katsu um, oh. from New York would be in there three Monet but late Monet when he was nearly blind he'd be in there oh, and I think maybe like one of the MSK lot like Revoke he'd be in there yeah cool yeah for sure do you know Stick? no I don't I, he I met Stick um, I was painting at Leak Street and stick, I was a mess at that point, trying to fill my day up doing something. I was painting a wall. Guy came up to me in a high vis and he said, You're right, mate. And I was, a, you know, not being funny, but I was a fucking asshole back then. I went, Who the fuck are you, mate? And, uh, yeah. He said, What are you doing? You, you know, you, and I said, Well, yeah, I'm painting. And he said, What are you painting for someone else? I'm painting for me, mate. You know, just super aggressive. <laughs> yeah. And then I said, Who are you? And he went, I'm stick. And immediately, opportunistic, like, ding, I know who you are. So I got out a moleskin sketchbook with a Sharpie. I'll do a drawing in that, mate. And he opened it, 
and he did in the corner of the page right at the bottom is a tiny stick figure holding the side of the page and I went sign it mate and he just gave me the book back and didn't sign it good yeah and because my my intention at that point and he knew what your intention yeah, was yeah it was like right he? cool I'm going to put this on eBay and get whatever I can for it and then I'll go and buy Crack Rocks for it yeah. I've still got I'll show you it when we go downstairs I've still got that bit of paper frame it's my favourite piece of art that I own it's good. fucking brilliant what do you reckon you'd do if you wasn't an artist I mean, if I could do anything, I'd like to fucking drive Formula One cars where I'm a terrible driver. Nice. I'd love to drive a Formula One car. And how would people find you online, be it website or social media? My Instagram is opaque underscore LWI. And how is opaque spelled? O-P-A-K-E. And what's LWI? It was a crew from London, Graph okay. Crew, that we started ages ago. But I just want the opaque handle someone else has got it oh have they yeah I don't know how to get it okay <laughs> I couldn't see myself doing anything else I really I, was, I honestly feel I mean from the moment I was a child I've drawn that's how I was entertained crayons and paper tattoo artists you said about tattoos the biggest podcast I'd done was a tattoo artist and who by, by a long streak Grace she used to work for Grace oh, Emily, yeah, Emily Malice. Malice yeah yeah, I've done one with her. She's probably like twice more than the the next biggest. She's interesting. She's just we we I do a lot of work with her with with merchandising and stuff. And um, I get to Tom, word to mother, did all my arm at her shop, and that's how I met her. And we become really close friends. And her story's sad, mate. Well, that's all my questions asked, mate. I'm sorry it went on so long, but I really fucking enjoyed I end it. Up- do you miss prison? You miss it. Wait, the, the thing I miss, the camaraderie, but the trust you have from the person who you don't know, or and more so off the ones that you do, there's, you'd literally step in front of a blade to stop your mate getting done. I've got holes in my own body to prove it. Do you, you know what I mean? But your mate looks back at it and yeah. you've stopped your mate getting done or what you've got done. When you look back at it out here, you go, that is fucking lunatic. Yeah, fucking mental. Different way of living, a completely different upside down way of life. And now also the mental health is wild, right? Well, the mental health was always really bad. Well, it's no different to what it was. The only difference is they're not sweeping it under the carpet as much anymore. It was always fucked up. I mean, in Chelmsford, it was something like 72% of the population had mental health issues, and that was in 94 but some of them, and bearing in mind that at the time I'm on about is when they shut that, they started the care in the community several years before and it, they weren't care in the community, they, they just shut down the fucking mental homes right. and the places that were looking after them people they probably <coughs> care in the community but it turns out the community didn't fucking care so, yeah. you know, they ended up going into prison so we had not, not just people with mental health issues, like you'd call them there, you know, someone who's dealing with something. You're talking about serious... Yeah, pro- yeah. yeah psychosis, I mean, yeah, guy. schizophrenia. I've never seen or heard of it, really. He was addicted to tea. So much so that we used to, we used to get a, a thing called a tea boat. It was 21 tea bags, 7 coffees and 21 sugars, you know. Tea bags, you pack for the week. This kid was that bad... We just used to give him our fucking tea bags and he would be drinking strong tea like I've never seen before. And if he didn't have it, 
he bounced off the fucking walls like literally and um, the screws didn't know how to deal with him all they knew how because they was ex-squaddies at the time all they knew how to deal with people like that was to be forceful throw him in the cell and shut the door mm. but you literally see this fella running around smashing the cell up because he didn't have any fucking tea leaves and I've never seen that no. but that's what they were dealing with and as much as we was cutting the screws off <laughs> they had no way of, they didn't know what they were doing mm. they didn't know how to deal with it the, the, that's the, another big difference now, right? Is you've got kids, young kids that are going into pri the prison system, whereas before it was like ex squaddies, right? So you'd get a fucking hiding from them. Yeah. Do they still do? Is it still like that now? <coughs> well, see, it started leveling up a little bit. Yeah, you'd have a, you, you would have a squaddy screw on there. It would go around making everyone's fucking life hell, and even the other screws wouldn't like him, but they had their loyalties to him, so they would wouldn't do anything. They back it. him, yeah. But that's the thing, though, Ed. For every one person that had me back, there was ten trying to fucking stab me in it. Yeah. You know? So looking back on it, through rose-tinted glasses, you know. But when I decided I wanted to be an artist, I've discovered these people who are... They're offering me this other structure. I've already discovered that artists are great people because they've all wrote back to me, but they want to help this person who's reaching out. So I was vulnerable anyway, if you like. You know, I'd sort of brought my own barriers down. And then I thought there's a ladder I can climb up, like the one I've been trying to climb for years out there. Mm. And then just at the time when I'm thinking all of that, because it is the stars aligning, you know, one of the artists, um, Gary Hume, I'd said to him, I was, you know, I was being totally open, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm this fucking criminal from Dagnum who wants to be an artist. It's not my world. And he's like, we are trying to turn this fucking art world upside down yeah. and we need people like you to be a part of it. Mm. I rate that because that's my plan with what I do because I know there's a lot of people that look at what I do and they go, he paints pictures of Mickey Mouse. But I will show them, mate. Yeah, I know, but that's... See, now you're doing is what I do. So yeah, I, can, I can hear it there. You're trying to justify that ain't just Mickey Mouse because that, when you said about that, I think that is should be your fucking image forever because that just sums you up. That's a frightened bloke in amongst authority. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. That proper connected with me when you... When you pointed that out, but yeah, so you're just doing that. You're trying to justify. It. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I, the thing is, as well, is I don't know if people actually do think that. <laughs> no, well, that's you what I've done. Do. Yeah. I've still got this this fucking chip on my shoulder about being an ex-prisoner, right? That is why I'm totally open because I don't want people to go ex-prisoner. He's probably up to some hundred percent. I've met two people who have questioned it, um, and on reflection, one of them was a businesswoman making a, a good business idea. But, yeah, two people I've seen in all of that time. I've not known any other. Well, there you go, opaque. Didn't I tell you it was a great conversation? Didn't I? Yes. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, the conversation did touch upon drug and drink addiction and dependency. Christ, dark at me, touched upon. He was wading through it waist deep. Now, obviously, you're aware that you can just go into Google. But just as a starting point, I would like to mention Turning Point, Action on Addiction, and a third, which I happen to be an ambassador for, the Forward Trust. And that is just three of dozens that are out there, all of which could be a perfect starting point for any situation you may find yourself in. And if that is something you're dealing with, then all the very best of luck in finding a resolution. Bye for now. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. 
So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, Zad Art. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.